Hey fam, we're back with another podcast. Ooh, <laughs> it's not me alone, guys. Yep, I'm back, um, and I know I've been slacking, and I keep telling y'all that I'm going to try and be on here more Just consistently. Just stop telling them. But actions speak louder than words, so here up. I am. That'll right. be all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so we have another great episode um, for you guys. So I noticed we did an episode a long time ago when we were just starting out about godly men versus church boys. And the ladies did ask several times. Is it? Did I say ask? All right. So I struggle with that word. Ask. <laughs> the ladies asked. Whatever. Um, the ladies um, recommended, you know, we do one for the ladies. And that's what we are here doing today. So we want to talk about godly women versus just sisters in church. Because right. I feel like there's a massive difference. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I feel like growing up, I felt as though they were the same thing. And I think that a lot of people make that assumption as well, that just because you go to church, you must automatically be a godly woman. And that isn't necessarily the case. Um, There's a quote that I used to see going around when I was a kid, and it said, just going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than just standing in a garage makes you a car. Yeah, I see that all over social media before. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's the truth. You know, I feel like it's pretty weird to me how we kind of get that that correlation. And don't get me wrong, this podcast isn't suggesting you earn your way into right standing with God. We're not telling anyone, oh, the more you do, the better of a Christian you are. But the Bible does says, you know, you show me your 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 faith by your... I'm going to show you my faith by my work. So you say, you say out of your mouth that you believe, yes, but ultimately we, we show what we believe by how we live. We show what we believe by... Let, let's get into the podcast. I don't want to say it all in the intro. <laughs> you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself. So I'll let you do your thing, Saf. All righty. So as far as a godly woman, one thing about a godly woman is she studies her word. Um, in 2 Timothy 2.15, the Bible says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Um I think that's a big difference because sometimes growing up in church, you think just reading the Bible is good enough. Mm -hmm. And that's not good enough is you you need to study the word of God to show yourself the show yourself approved and to know God and to to actually know his word and not just, you know, be reading to check off. A checklist. Yeah. I think so often we can get uh, caught up in that, especially if you've been in church for a long time right. um, and you're so used to, you know, um, you know, reading your Bible and doing the things of God. Sometimes it becomes a I don't want to say a ritual, but a, um, that's a routine. Yeah, it becomes a routine. And, and a, a true godly woman studies her word um, to, you know, to be acceptable to God, to know God and to know him deeper and not just to just read. And if we look in the beginning of the Bible, you look at, you know, the story of Adam and Eve in Genesis, where God tells them, you know, you can eat of every every fruit, but, you know, of the knowledge of good and evil of that tree, don't eat the fruit. So now we see the devil creeping in through the serpent and he goes and he tells her, you know, did God really say that you shouldn't eat from this fruit? And Eve responds back to him saying, yeah, God said we shouldn't eat from it. Neither should we touch it. That's not what God said. God never said you couldn't touch a tree. They're walking by. They could have touched a tree. They could have saw the tree. God had no problem with the tree itself. It's just he told them specifically, don't eat from that tree. And whereas Eve misinterpreted what God said, I honestly believe that the devil was like, you can't touch this tree. Look, 
Tetra tree. Nothing's going to happen. Right. And Eve must have, oh, you know, the Bible makes it clear that she noticed that it's desirable for fruit, is pleasant to look on. So, you know, so now Eve was thinking, I should never look at this tree. I shouldn't touch this tree. I shouldn't eat from this tree. When in reality, all God said was don't eat it. And because the devil saw that she didn't understand what God wanted her to do or how to live, he knew he could easily manipulate her. And that's what happens when we don't know the word of God for ourselves. We can easily be manipulated. And I believe it's a great difference between um, godly women and just women in church because there are a lot of women, and it's not to, to point fingers, but because it's men that, you know, that are that way as well. We're just talking about women today. But there are a lot of women who don't study the word for themselves right. you know they read verses you know they post a little cute caption they beside, can memorize them you just because you just because you got a verse memorized doesn't mean um you're you know the word exactly doesn't mean you know what it means you don't understand it exactly and you see a lot of a lot of people post on social media with the starbucks cup or you know coffee and bible time you know or you know they're posting they want to hashtag quiet time make it seem like they're doing all these things for god and while i'm not hating and i think you know that's great that they're you know, encouraging other people to do devotion. It's more than just what meets the eye. It's more than making other people think, you know, what's in the word of God. In order to actually become the woman God wants you to be, you have to actually know him. And you can't know God outside of his word because God is his word. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So when we have the written word of God, we have the ability to have an actual relationship with Jesus. So just like how Eve was deceived because she misinterpreted what God said, we can be deceived. Brothers and sisters can be deceived if we don't know the word of God. So it's more than dating a guy who has the word who or knows the word. It's about you knowing the word for yourself, not dating a pastor, not dating a minister, not dating someone who teaches, but being able to understand and see God for yourself because you won't always understand. Like in James 1 and 22, going to read that from the NLT. It says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Right. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. And if you go a little bit further in those verses, it says people that people that are, are you know, looking into the word of God and not applying it to themselves, they're basically looking into the mirror. So since you woke up in the morning, you looked in the mirror, you saw that you had the eye boogers and you didn't even clean your face. You didn't wash your face. Why you had to go with the eye boogers? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. How else do you call it? You know, you were drooling. So the side of your mouth is white. You didn't wipe it off. You just got dressed and went to Target. Not not fixing your you hair. You saw it was dirty. You saw it was bad. And that's what the word of God is there to do. The word of God is there to read us. While we read the word, the word is supposed to be reading us back. We have to be measuring ourselves mm -hmm. back. You know, so that's why it's important to not just read, not just memorize, but to apply. Right. Right. I agree 100 percent. And be kind. A godly woman is kind to others. She, the Bible says, Proverbs thirty one twenty six says, she openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. So she doesn't waste her breath gossiping about other Ooh, people. Oh, hold on, hold on. Say that one more time. She doesn't waste her breath gossiping about other people. Wasting her breath. Don't well, waste like it. Use those words to encourage. Yeah. Um, I remember, I don't even remember, a long, long, long time ago, I watched this movie and I don't know, I think it was Eddie Murphy or somebody, but um, basically he, I think he had like a dirty mouth or his tongue was, oh, I don't know, he, okay. I, I don't know, he was just, he was mean or something like that and then um, something happened to him and basically his words, he only had a limited amount of words mm -hmm. and the words could only be I think they were like only they could only be good words or if he said something bad the words would fall off a tree and once those leaves were gone he wouldn't be able to say anything ever again I think it was once he spoke Do you period remember? 
No, I remember it, but I so, think it was once yeah, he spoke. Yeah, it was once he spoke. So he had to be really careful with how many words he used and how he used them. He had to learn to make those words useful. And I feel as though that's how we should be. Watch your words. And words, they have weight. As much as people, like when I was growing up, I used to hear sticks and stones may break your bones, but words may never hurt you. Yes, they do hurt. People, you know, and as a godly woman, you want to make sure you use those words to lift up other people, to encourage, to motivate other people um, and not use them to slander because the Bible talks, the Bible talks against that. And another thing about uh, a godly woman is that she is teachable. Mm-hmm. Um, she can be corrected. Uh, some sometimes I find that you know some women, uh, church girls, quote unquote, um, you try to correct them and they they don't take correction well or they right. have this um, you can't talk to me like that attitude or mentality and that is not a godly woman that is not considered a virtuous woman. The Bible says in Titus two verses three to five. I'll read it. Similarly, similarly, wow, I should let you read it. Teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. The older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. Then it will not bring shame on the word of God. Right. And I don't think teachable means making people walk over you. That's not that's not where that's not where we're going for there. But it just means that if somebody is trying to correct you, um, you know, even if you don't think you're wrong, maybe you could take a step back and say, you know, you know, did I did I say something wrong or am I doing this the wrong way? Um, And just kind of take heed to to the word. Take what what, um, you know, applies to you and apply it to your life to be a better Christian. So I didn't want to jump into this because it's probably uh, another point, but at the same time, I think it relates. So um, it's important for godly women to be modest. And I think, you know, just regular girls in church, they just do whatever they want. Um, But I won't dive too much into that just yet because I want to tell you this example. There was a lady um, involved in our church growing up and, you know, very involved, uh, but she's also very attractive woman, very shapy, you know. So when she walked by, you knew she walked by because you see guys turn their head. And then there was a time when she wore something extremely tight. And, you know, my mom went up to her and was just like, hey, you know, you know how beautiful you are, sis. Um, but I need you to go home and change that skirt because we were early for church. And then and the girl lived nearby. So it wasn't like my mom put her on the highway. She had to go, you know, be late or whatever. And a lot of you may be listening to this like, who does your mom think she is? Listen, you're probably the sister we're talking to that can't be corrected or can't be told you know, anything, but an important part of discipleship is willing to submit yourself to leadership and allowing them to be able to correct you when you're wrong. Mm. And then the lady was just like, yeah, no, um, no problem. And she, no, she was just like, understand. No, no, no. My mom told her, you know, that was a inappropriate dress to wear to church. That's what she told her. She said it wasn't appropriate for church. And, you know, she, I guess she must've said something like she didn't expect her to wear that. She shouldn't wear that mm-hmm. coming back. So the girl was just like fully understood. And then the next thing you know, we didn't see her. And then next time you saw her, she was in church in a different skirt because she lived nearby. So she went home and she changed it, you know, and a lot of you may say, well, your mom ain't God. I ain't got to listen to her. You know what I mean? And that's fair enough. You can live however you choose to live. But when you're a godly woman or when you're a woman who wants to please God, you take correction and you don't allow it to make you bitter. You don't allow it to push you out of church. You don't take correction as judgment or you don't make it seem like the church hates you 
or people are trying to make you conform into some image. No, but you're willing to say, okay, maybe I got it wrong or maybe I didn't see it from this perspective, but my leadership knows um, what, what I don't see or my, or other people may not realize it because a lot of women, they dress highly immodest, but they don't realize it because they're not looking from the guy's perspective right. or they're not thinking about it from how other people may perceive them because you may not think you're you're telling people hey you know look at this look at this but at the same time everyone is looking like man she's trying to get attention or he's looking like it's kind of hard to worship when sis is standing in front of me and all i'm seeing is Mm -hmm. you know stuff clapping that ain't their hands you know what i'm saying but um that's all right i'm sorry for being inappropriate (laughs) (laughs) but no, no i was just saying i think the underlying factor um for you know young women in church being offended when they are corrected is the, um, I don't want to say uh, unwillingness, but I can't find another word. So basically the unwillingness to change. You're not willing to change. Um, change is scary. And who wants to, you know, feel as though they aren't living up to, you know, you, you claim you're a church girl. Um, you know, you're living this life. Who wants to feel as though they aren't um, living up to par? Who wants somebody else to point that out? Yeah. Who is, you know, and so and, and at that point you feel like you're being judged. Um, and I mean, I feel like there's a lack of humility when, Definitely. you know, that's when, pride, right? It is pride. It is pride because you can't step down and say, well, you know, maybe, maybe it is me, you know, maybe she is saying something or he is saying something that I, I do need to listen to. Uh, not to cut you off, but I realized that, um, just is important because you just said that, that a lot of times we, you know, we love listening to leadership when we know they're right. You know, it's fair because I get you see where they're coming from. But there's a lot of times when you don't believe the leadership is right and you still have to be willing to be humble enough mm-hmm. to still respect the leadership that God placed over you. Mm-hmm. Like so you're in your parents home and you don't think every rule makes sense, but you're in their home. So respecting them is the proper thing to do. Listening to their leadership is the proper thing to do. You think your pastor may not be the most sensible. You think you're better than him or you think another pastor can be do better. Listen, that's between you and God. But while you're underneath his leadership or her leadership, you need to be willing to be you need to be willing to be corrected because the Bible says that who God loves, he chastens. So if God corrects us and he loves us, we have to understand that he's going to give us leaders that are willing to correct us when we're wrong, even when we think we're right. Right. You know, so that's definitely important. But I want you to talk on that modesty part because I feel like sisters don't really, I mean, I know sisters hear about it, but just because you hear about something doesn't mean you live it. So like, that's true. Um, I agree. I think as far as being modest, people can be in church all day. And this is the difference between, in my head, a godly woman and a church girl. Um, you know, you're modest in church, but then when you're out there, you dress a different way. Completely and if different. I could be quite honest, that was me at one point. Oh, um, I remember growing up and I was in high school. And of course, I grew up, you know, my the my my church. I grew up in a church that wears only skirts. And so... Growing up, um, my skirt started to get shorter and shorter and shorter. And it was because, because I already felt as though, you know, I grew up really skinny. So I felt as though I was so tiny. A skirt only made me look like a box. <laughs> and literally, that's how I felt. And so I had like I had no shape. I had and, and you know, you're in high school. You get you get enticed by um, peer pressure and, and all this stuff. And so I kind of wanted to fit in. I, I already felt like I stuck out like a sore thumb. So my, my skirts just started getting shorter and shorter. And even though in my mind I was a godly woman, 
clearly I wasn't living a godly woman lifestyle because I wasn't living in church, even though my skirts were long. And, you know, even though, you know, my clothes were loose on the outside, it started to become a whole different thing. And then that's when I I understood the difference between what it means to um, be a woman of God and be a true follower of Christ and just be, you know, going to church and, and uh, just kind of abiding by the rules in, in, at face value with everybody else and then on the outside um it's kind of like you're living you're living a double life so modesty is really important um and it's not just important to be modest inside of church because you have remember at the end of the day it don't matter if they're watching you're not doing this to please people Mm -hmm. you're doing this to please god and if the and if god wants us you know our, our body's a temple and and you know if he wants us to be modest then we need to be modest modest not just when people are watching yeah but when you know but when nobody's watching um and modesty is not just a it's not just a um uh, outward appearance thing modesty yeah. is a heart matter yeah definitely um i remember hearing my pastor say once like if you're apostolic at this church you need to be apostolic on vacation <laughs> you know because there's a lot of people you know they're dying to go show off the, you know they want to go wear whatever you know because church people are not around some people are not going to post or whatever you know but to me it's way bigger than just how people view you at church mm-hmm. because it's all about what's in your heart. So right. a lot of people, when they talk about modesty, you get into these arguments about skirts and pants, but it's about what's in your heart. It's about so because it is what what's in your heart is what's going to manifest on the outside. So if you think, oh, getting attention is what's important, you're going to start wearing stuff that's more provocative. Or if you think oh, I need to show off my figure to catch a man, you're going to start wearing things that are a little bit tighter or a little bit shapier right. or like the famous side pose these women keep doing because they want every guy to know that they have something back there. It's like if you're doing these things, you're going to get attention, but it's not necessarily the right attention. Right. You know, so it's modesty, I think, is important because a lot of times, you know, people really think it's a matter of rules and it's a matter of legalism. Trust me, someone can have the longest skirt. Someone can have the loosest pair of jeans. Someone can have whatever it may be. They may have all of this and they may have their entire body covered. They may be wearing a hat and they still have an impure heart. Right. You know, so it's all about what's in your heart. It's all about, you know, how you're viewing yourself and how you're viewing your walk with God. Because if you have a proper relationship with God and you're actually growing, things are going to change without people telling you, you need to wear this or you need to wear that. Like if God works on you, God is going to produce fruit out of your life. No one has to say, hey, this is the church standard. And if you want to be saved, you have to abide by this. No, if you're in a church that does that, you're in a cult. No, when when if you can't be lined up with the word of God, then it's not about necessarily someone's preference. But when God is working on your heart, it's definitely going to show from the inside out. Right, right. I completely agree with that 100 percent. And as as far as ministry, a godly woman is involved in ministry, and that can look a million different ways. I think growing up, I always thought ministry was being on a choir or preaching. And um, because you was on the choir and preaching, tell the people, so that's true. <laughs> you know, at the time I was, I was, and and it's not only that. You know, it's also you know being able to even in the background, even if it means cleaning the church benches, mm-hmm. um, or you know just doing something for your brothers and sisters in Christ um, that is uh, not for you for yourself, doing something for others. It could be as simple as you know cooking for someone who mm-hmm. needs food, even you know not not at church. That's but if you can of cook. Because if you can't cook and you're over here trying to poison the church now, <laughs> listen. But you, yeah, ahead, like it's sorry. just, it's just, you know, just, just, just being able to allow God to use you to bless others because he's called us to be fishers of men. Yeah. 
So. Definitely. Um, when we look at, you know, being, Safa said, you know, being used of God and being active in ministry, I think we need to focus on the gifts of the Spirit specifically. First Corinthians 12 tells us that there's a diversity of, of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. And it's a and there are differences in administrations, but it's the same Lord. I'm reading First Corinthians 12, starting at verse 4. And now I'm in verse 6, sorry. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh in all. You know, so it talks about the different gifts of the Spirit, whereas the the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, you know, faith, gifts of healing, you know, tongues, miracles, prophecy, all those type of things. And there are several different gifts that, you know, we can operate in with, inside the church. And a lot of people think just attending church is good enough. No, you're saved to be a blessing to someone else. You're yeah. saved to to serve. You're not saved just to make it into heaven. We're, we're here to help other people be saved. And, you know, like Safa mentioned, I believe a lot of people, they feel insignificant if they're not on a choir. They feel insignificant if they're not leading praise and worship. They're not the preacher. They're not the person that's up front, you know, leading the media team, whatever the case may be. But you you may have a ministry that's way more beneficial but it's just not seen, you know, so the Bible tells us that, you know, we're all one body and can everyone be the head? No, everyone can't be the hand. Everyone can't be the foot. Everyone isn't as visible as others. But at the same time, everyone is equally as important. None of us can say, well, I don't need my arm, you know, because I'm just jumping today. Let me cut my arm off. No, you serve a purpose, whether no one gives you the credit that you des- that you I'm not going to say that you deserve, but that God sees you for God is the one that's going to give us the reward. So you don't have to be worried about stuff like that. You know, because I honestly believe the person that cleans the church is just as effective as the pastor, because if I get invited to a church and the pastor is preaching up a storm and people are getting saved, but I go to use the bathroom and it's disgusting and it's stank. Yep, I'm not coming back ministry. (laughs) I'm not coming back. You know, I'm not saying, oh, that's the sister's job or it's a guy's job. I just mean if you want to serve, if you want to. Um, see a deeper walk with God, you are going to be willing to serve. You know, so every one of you can be involved in ministry. Don't feel as though just attending is enough. Find a way to get involved, get plugged in. You know, a lot of people, they end up leaving church, they end up leaving the will of God because they were never involved. They never got themselves into working into something. You know, so you may think, oh, Tavares is saying, oh, if I clean the church or if I lead the praise team, or if I teach a Bible study, I'm being more used of God. No, it's just making yourself more available. The goal is to just make yourself more available to make God's kingdom be right, advanced. Be you know, just, that's that's our ultimate goal at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's important that we examine our motives or why we do some of these things. Right, right. Because... A church girl, um, and when, like Tavar says about motives, a church girl might. I'm not saying they will. Not every church girl does this, but she might come to church to find a good man or a godly man. Yeah. Whereas a godly woman, she doesn't come to church for, you know, to find that godly man. She understands that she's the one that sh- should be found. Yeah. Because the Bible speaks about that. The Bible says that uh, whosoever findeth a wife findeth a good thing. So right. she knows that she's not there. To, that's not her job. And the, that's that's where it, to, it goes back to motives, like Tavares says. Why is she there? The, the purpose of being in church is to get a closer relationship with God. Right. Right? So um, it's all about motives. And a godly woman... Um, shows that with in the way she in the way she walks in the way she talks in the way she treats other people in the way she you know shows love to her brother and sister and not you know basically her motives are clear yeah um i i always see my sister mention stuff like this on the internet she's not my actual sister you know my sister's in christ <laughs> but she'll say something like a godly woman being a godly woman is not a a, a good cookie 
in order for God to bless you with a spouse. Or it, I don't have it verbatim. I'm sorry. I don't want to misinterpret what she's saying. But what she's saying is just because you're living for God and just because you're following the rules, just because you're attending church services does not mean the spouse is going to come knocking on the door. You know, right. we're not serving God for him to serve us. Right. Because we serve God, he blesses us. But we're not in this just to get his blessings. We're not seeking God just so he can heal us, just so he can give us a better job or a better car or a nice house. Yes, that is not exactly, you know, the spouse is not the ultimate goal. God is. And when you have God, then he'll lead you to that right person. He'll lead you to the, you know, the right, right avenue, the right job or whatever the case may be, whatever you may be looking for. But at the same time, you have to have the right motive, you know, and like Safa said, you know, she's not the one chasing the guys because, you know, a lot of women, are trying their hardest to be noticed because it's just like, all right, something must be wrong with these guys. They must be blind or stupid. It's no in-between because I'm not doing anything wrong and I know I'm attractive and I know I'm loving God. But at the same time, you have to understand that just because no one has found you yet doesn't mean God isn't preparing someone, for one. And two, that doesn't mean every guy that you see that they're a potential spouse. A lot of times we'll look at people like, man, where's everybody in my church? You know what I mean? And it's just God doesn't want you to view people at your church that way. No. You know what I mean? Because when we only view people as a way to get our needs met, then that shows us we have the wrong mindset. We have the wrong motive behind what we're doing. But Amen to that. I agree. Well, if my wife says amen, then I don't need an amen <laughs> from any of you all. No, but I don't, I don't know if you, you want to chime in, babe, but feel free. Um, I just want to say that those were a few things that we noticed in regards to differences in between women and church. And I believe there are definitely a ton more. We just didn't want to make this episode too long. But I believe that any of you that are struggling in these areas, it can easily be fixed. You know, so it's not something that you have to say, wow, I feel like I was struggling in all these areas. No, no one is judging you. But we wanted to mention a few things like she's studying the word for herself because I believe it's important that you see God for yourself, you know, because you don't want to wait until a man is there to help you spiritually. You need to be living for God and trying to um, seek him in prayer, seek him in the word by yourself. So when you're when God sends that man or when God opens that door, you're a benefit to his life. And you're able and when he's struggling, you're able to encourage him because you already have that walk with God. You already have a a foundation that you're able to teach your kids. Amen. If you don't have that and you try to, you know, you know, you try to get that. And then once the godly man comes, what happens when he leaves? Yeah. What happens to your relationship with God then? And that's when things get awkward, Mm -hmm. you know, but uh, I think my favorite point was when Safa mentioned, you know, the being kind to others, because I feel like that's something that's so easily neglected. Like a lot of women think as long as I'm beautiful, boom, I'll be fine, because a lot of those women do attract the guys, you know, and then happily ever after they get married, whatever, but they have no character. So a lot of people you see rush and get married, the marriages are miserable, you know, not because, you know, one or not because someone specifically is a problem, but at the same time, if you're with someone who can never be kind, then it leads to conflict. Like, I'm dealing with me trying to be kind and gentle, but thankfully I have a wife that's kind, whereas, you know, God will, God will, I'm not saying God is going to send you an angry fellow, so you can be like Safa. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't think so. But it, it showed me what a godly woman looks like when I see Safa and then when I see other women. You know what I mean? When I see a gentle spirit, when I see a kind heart. You know, so I think it's important that you exemplify that as well, whether you were a, a gentleman or not. You know, all of these things are areas that women like to see in men. All these things that we mentioned, women are looking out for men. Well, he's not good enough for me unless he meets these criteria. But at the same time, you need to meet this criteria. If you're demanding that a guy be involved in ministry, you need to be involved in ministry. 
If you want a man that's kind to others, you need to be kind. If you want a man that knows the word of God, you need to know the word of God. If you would like your husband to be involved in ministry, you need to be involved in ministry. If you would like for yourself to be pursued, if you would like for your man to pursue you, you need to be a woman worth pursuing. Right. You know, so I, I didn't want to end the, the podcast preaching. You know, I'll leave it with Safa to say something gentle. But I believe that the fact that you're taking time to listen to a podcast like this shows that you're trying to find ways to edit little things in your life that you may have missed the mark on. You know, so I believe that definitely this is definitely a start. And whenever we um, drop the podcast, I want you to comment in the comments and let us know areas that you're working on and areas that you would like for us to touch on in the future. Right. And I think, you know, even though there's probably more women listening to this podcast than males, I'm sure that even in this podcast, um, you know, some of the guys can, you know, if if they're wondering, you know, what is it? What does a godly woman look like? Is is the person I'm pursuing is she fitting uh the characteristics of a godly woman well i mean this podcast can definitely help you in in trying to decipher whether or not the person you are trying to pursue is is fitting you know the the profile of a godly woman and also just read proverbs i mean you know just just a virtuous woman that's a godly woman as well and there's a lot to proverbs has a lot to say about that i don't want to end the podcast on this note did you notice that not once in Proverbs 31, did it mention her looks? That's true. It didn't mention how thick she was. It didn't mention how nice her hair was, how pretty the smile was. It was all about character. Character. It was all about yep. how she treated her household. Yep. It was about how she was how known she in the city. Mm-hmm. It was known about her work ethic. So a lot of women are aiming to make their beauty... You know, listen, sisters, if you want a good man, definitely, I'm not telling you to that go out looking raggedy. Asset. But Your that asset. cannot be... The best thing about you. Right. Your looks cannot be the only thing you have to offer. You have to work on your character as well. Because you can put Proverbs 31 in your bio, but that doesn't mean you're living that lifestyle when you exit the church. That doesn't mean the pictures on your social media are approved by God. It doesn't mean that your entertainment it calls you a Proverbs 31 woman. You know, so if, we're, if our aim is to just, you know, make it into heaven, you know, say we're saved and, you know, God bless you. I'll see you up in glory. But if we actually want to please God and we actually want to lead sisters, if you want to lead younger sisters into truth, you want to lead your friends into truth, you want to convince your family that Jesus is real and that he's worth serving, you can't live like them. You can't be like the world and then convince the world to follow God. You know, so these are definitely some things that I, th- I think you should consider. And definitely while you're, um, you know, calling yourself Proverbs 31, take the time, you know, to study it, read it out, try to find areas you can improve on. Amen. So let it be, saints. <laughs> Thank you for listening, guys. As always, we appreciate you guys, the reviews. We appreciate the support. You know, we have some great things in store for you all, but we just want to thank you for listening to today's podcast. Yes, yes. So if you haven't already liked and subscribed, you could go ahead and and click that button. And share. Yes, please. Tag us when you post it on Facebook, Insta, Twitter, Tumblr. I don't have one, but yeah, that too, whatever you guys use. But we appreciate you guys. And as always, we pray that you're blessed. Peace. Peace.